everyone, and welcome to Women's Sports Central. I'm Brenda Van Lingen, along with Michelle Vopel, and today is Friday, March 29th. We have made it through the first and second rounds and are looking ahead to the regionals starting this weekend, starting Saturday. And I know, Michelle, actually you were at three different first and second round sites, so you've, you've seen a lot of basketball already. I have, and uh, ended up seeing two um, of the upsets, two of the six beating three upsets. So, you know, sometimes when you're picking places to go, you you don't always get, uh, you know, the compelling games, but luckily I, I did this time. Well, and that was the Nebraska over A&M and the LSU over Penn State games. And, and in that dynamic, uh, you and I have been talking a little bit before the show started about Nebraska connecting with Texas A&M and being former conference foes. And we also saw Colorado and Kansas uh, as former conference foes. And, you know, with all this conference realignment, and uh, we've talked about this a lot, you know, it's all about football, but it certainly makes some compelling stories once these teams no longer play against each other and now get matched up in the NCAA tournament. We're going to see this over the next few years. There are going to be some really interesting matchups just because teams are going to play each other uh, that used to be conference opponents. And I think it makes a big difference. And it certainly did, I think, in, in the matchups that we already saw in the first and second rounds. I think so, too. It was, you know, it ended up being a, a really good draw. Uh, and, and I think we, we probably thought this, but in retrospect, it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row mm-hmm. for Kansas. Both years, uh, last year and this year, they got in as an at-large, rather shaky, especially this year. But then they had, um, you know, old Big 12 foes that Mm -hmm. they were facing in the first round. Uh, They faced Nebraska in the first round last year and beat them. And then they faced Colorado. And I was was telling, you know, somebody who, uh, one of the other reporters when I was down in, College Station, I said, you know, you have to remember Colorado is not an easy place to play, especially Mm -hmm. if you you don't go there very often. You do have altitude. It does have some impact on you. And for Kansas, this is a road game, especially those Kansas seniors, Mm -hmm. that they've done before and they're familiar with. And the program's familiar. And playing in Coors Event Center is still um, familiar. It won't be, you know, unfortunately, but you know, in, in a while. But for the, for these kids, it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that ended up being a good matchup for them. And then that gave them a neutral court game because they had eliminated the home team against South Carolina, a team that you know no more, you know, plays. You know, thinks of Boulder as a familiar place and probably <laughs> you know the craters of the moon. Right. So I think that really helped Kansas. And then, as uh, I mentioned, it was in College Station, and it was funny because after the the first round games there, I go into the uh, media room, and Connie Yori says, well, it's like a Big 12 reunion, even you're here. (laughs) 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 I'm like, yeah, it is funny because here's two former Big 12 teams, but neither one of them, they both moved on, but they're both in different conferences Mm -hmm. now. And I think, in particular, this helped Nebraska when Nebraska played A and M because Nebraska's two stars, Lindsey Moore, a senior, and Jordan Hooper, a junior, were, were key players. They were starters the last time they played A and M, which was two thousand and eleven. They really had an institutional memory, especially Lindsey Moore, because she played A and M for freshman year too. They knew who Gary Blair 
was, what he did, how the system ran. So even though the personnel had changed, they were they were prepared for that matchup. I think more so than the A and M kids were for Nebraska. I think that familiarity worked more in Nebraska's advantage than at A and M's, and then Nebraska got the upset. Yeah, yeah, and and as as conferences continue to shift, we're going to see more of that. I, I think it's going to make some fun uh, reunions uh, as we go forward the next couple of years because you can't get matched up against teams in your own conference, but you certainly can uh, can play against teams that were in your former conference. So I think it's going to be fun, uh, just a fun little element uh, to watch as we go over the next couple of years. Let's let's preview each region now, Michelle, and just kind of look at the bracket and go region by region and start with Oklahoma City, but um, just reflect on maybe some of the the storylines that got us to where we are and then what we can expect. And, you know, specifically, uh, you saw two of the six six seeds upsetting the three seed. Well, we saw that in the Oklahoma City region with Oklahoma beating UCLA, a team that they had lost to earlier in the year, and then uh, a a Creighton team that... um, upset a Big East team in Syracuse and and then lost to Tennessee. So you've got Tennessee in the same region as Baylor for the third time in the last four years. And then, of course, Baylor rolling through and Brittany Griner's three dunks and tweeting at halftime that she was going to dunk a couple more times and uh, the Louisville win over Purdue. So all of that happening leading us to the Oklahoma City Regional. Yeah, Baylor just, you know, they were unstoppable as we expected them to be. Uh, Oklahoma, boy, I, I tell you, we, we probably sound sometimes like we gush a lot about Sherry Cole, but she's just a phenomenal coach. She's been, you know, she's had some really difficult injuries this year. You know, you look at her team and you think, uh, Aaron Ellenberg's a really good player, mm-hmm. but you know, the rest of the players on her team are, um, you know, they're not the super, superstars. Mm-hmm. They're just good, hardworking players that buy into the system and maximize what they do. And I think that's one of the trademarks of, of Coach Cole is she does get kids to maximize what they have. And Joanna McFarland is mm-hmm. a perfect uh, example of that. I mean, she just, you know, played her tail off uh, in those two games. I believe she ended up with a combined uh, 38 points and 33 rebounds. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think that one of the things that I noticed in that UCLA Oklahoma game was Oklahoma really, I mean, obviously they have the hunger to get back to Oklahoma city, but that's a program that really, again, has an institutional memory of what it takes to do that. Right. And I think there's a, you know, that gets passed down to kids. Mm-hmm. UCLA is still trying to get that. I just felt like there wasn't that much fight in UCLA and there was a lot of fight in Oklahoma and that, in that game. And that really carried them through. Um, now, if you're Oklahoma, you're thinking, okay, we, we, we're back home. You know, how, what, you know, how much can we capitalize on this? And I do think it, it'll be uh, an advantage against Tennessee, but Tennessee's a team that is so used to being in full gyms. You know, they, they're a draw. So they're used to, mm-hmm. you know, having it, either they're going to be at home and, you know, they have all these orange people there or they're going to be on the road and they'll still have a lot of orange people because yes. they travel well, or they're going to have a big crowd cheering against them. So they're, they're good with that. I'll be interested to see, though, if that game is close. I, w- I will, too. Make a difference. It, it, absolutely, because there it's, it's going to – 
that that place will I have to think it's going to be sold out because of the Oklahoma contingent. Baylor will be there, so it's not a far drive up to Norman from Waco and then the Tennessee factor. So I I can't imagine anything but that place being completely packed. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, Oklahoma, with all of its injuries, um, has has played – best when it has the opportunity to rest up a little bit. They're not going to have to travel to their first site. So I think they're going to be prepared and they're going to be able to give Tennessee some problems. But the way Tennessee is playing right now, they have to be the favorite. And, you know, it's it's <laughs> you have to wonder if it's even worth talking about uh, Baylor and Louisville, just the way that Baylor is rolling right now. But uh, it will set up the potential of a, a regional final rematch uh, as Baylor beat Tennessee in Des Moines uh, last year. And, you know, remember there were the uh, the the uh, posturing and a little pushing and shoving at the end of that game. And so, uh, you know, what's still there from that? But they, you know, they already played each other earlier this year. It, I just think there's going to be a lot of interesting dynamics with, with Holly taking her first team officially, her team, uh, through that. Um, it's going to be a fun region, and you're going to be at that location, right, Michelle? Yeah, I will. And, uh, you know, because the, the, the Tennessee team is so different. You know, there was such a turnover in personnel and certainly in, in starters. Um, but I didn't even feel like in this, in that game in December, there was really much residue from, yeah. from what had happened, um, in, uh, in Des Moines. But one thing that I, that I do think is in Tennessee's favor to make it at least a little bit more of a game. Um, than it was in December because it was, I believe it was, what was it, the 17-0 run um, that that uh, Baylor started with. I mean, that game was mm-hmm. over almost before it started. Yep. Is that Isabel Harrison is back, and, sh- and so that certainly helps the post-rotation. Bashar Grace has gone through a whole season and has just been terrific. Yes. And Sierra Burdick is, you know, she's blossomed too. They they have those three really athletic posts. If those kids, and they are still kids, um, but but they've grown up pretty fast, and if they can, you know, stay out of foul trouble and, and play well, I think they're they're too much for Oklahoma probably. And then they can at least maybe challenge Baylor a little bit more than than they did in December, if if that matchup happens. And I and I in all, you know, not meaning any disrespect to Louisville, it's just hard for me to see Louisville coming up with anything that can stop Baylor. Yeah, exactly. And and I know you had mentioned in, in one of the articles that I had read of yours online, you know, uh, Oklahoma could get hot from three-point range, and with the crowd factor, you never know what can happen there. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how all of that develops in Oklahoma City. Um, let's let's pop down to uh, the Spokane region. And, oh, just to mention, the Oklahoma City region, the games will begin on Sunday. The games at Spokane will begin on Saturday. Of course, Stanford, uh, the number one seed in that region, really having no problem in their first and second round games. Um, Iowa State going out to Gonzaga, even though Iowa State was a five seed and Gonzaga was a 12, everybody knows how difficult it is to go to Gonzaga anytime and during the NCAA tournament. So a good win for Iowa State out there. But then uh, the the Georgia-Iowa State battle, a great comeback from Iowa State, but Georgia able to hang on. And so they'll face Stanford, setting up uh, two regional semifinals that have a very similar look. You've got the two teams in Stanford and Cal that finished in a tie for the Pac-12 championship. And then they're each facing 
SEC teams that uh, are pretty defensive-minded. So that, that makes an interesting region as well. It really does. And Georgia and Stanford, uh, you know, Stanford, I think, is you know, the, the number one seed. And also, they've been the team out of what we used to call the West region, um, but has been in Western cities, you know, Spokane and Spokane twice, and Sacramento and Fresno. Um, I'm trying to remember that where I think Seattle might have been. The other. I'm trying to remember where there, there was like the, the last five, you know, have all been out in, in um, the West. Mm-hmm. And Stanford's won five in a row. You know, they've been to the last five final fours in a row. So, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about Bridgeport. You have two teams that are going for six final fours in a row. In Stanford's case, though, unfortunately, they haven't won any of those five final fours. They've been great at getting out of um, their regional, though. Can Georgia disrupt them? You know, possibly. That Georgia's one of the another one of those teams where um, if they can make it a defensive game, you know, it can. It, I think it um, it can possibly um, you know it can at least bother Stanford. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think um, Stanford's still the favorite in that game. And then LSU, well, John Kenny, she's the you know, point guard. She was out with a concussion in the second round game. Um, LSU's been on a surge, uh, really the last what, month and a half of the season. And they were the hottest team coming into the SEC tournament. They ended up losing in the SEC tournament, but then, you know, won two games in a row now here in, uh, in the NCAA tournament. Um, also, you know, LSU, you know, Nikki Caldwell, they, they do, um, you know, they, they can, <laughs> they're scrappy. Mm-hmm. They're a scrappy bunch. And, um, and so I'll be interested because Cal really had to, you know, scratch and claw to get away from South Florida. Yes. You know, that was one of the exciting games. Although if I was a Cal fan, I think I might have like <laughs> lost my lunch um, in the last 30 seconds of that game. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, going into overtime. But they did win. You know, they pulled it out. Can Cal, um, you know, Cal's big and physical. They're going to try to wear down, and especially if, let's say, Sean Kitty can't play and, and LSU has only seven kids again. They're going to try to wear them down. But guess what? So did Penn State. Mm-hmm. You know, Penn State's a big team inside, and mm-hmm. they had you know more personnel, and they tried to wear LSU down, and, and they, they couldn't do it. So uh, that I think that's a, those are both interesting matchups if the two SEC teams can impose their style of play on those games. If they can't, they're also capable of, you know, not scoring very much, right. and, you know, and, and the two Pac-12 teams advancing to meet each other. It, it will be interesting to see, you know, what I, I think the style of play and, and how those games develop will be a big factor in that. Are, you know, are the SEC teams able to grind it out and make it defensive battles or uh, do the Pac-12 teams, uh, you know, are they able to break away from that? It, and all, uh, all throughout the uh, the end of uh, February and into postseason, I think you know it's going to be tough uh, for Stanford to get back to the Final Four again. I just feel like uh, with their struggle in the Pac-12 tournament championship, uh, UCLA should have beat them there. Um, you know, maybe that was enough to wake them up and they'll they'll make a run. But I think they're they're ripe for an upset. And you know, one of these uh, teams I think is really going to press them, and it might be Cal uh, as as they go up against one another again. So I, I'm interested to see what happens out in Spokane. Let's keep uh, rolling along uh, as uh, Norfolk, Virginia has uh, some 
intriguing matchups and some uh, things I that called, I called that. I called that all those. All four, all you four know that, those. don't you? Yeah. Well, I want to make no, sure I'm that we bring that up. I'm just joking. I, that, that bracket <laughs> totally busted me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Didn't, didn't call those. No. Other, I did call Notre Dame. Well, that was good. That was good. And, uh, <laughs> You know, even though I, I, I do, I'll, I'll admit, I see Kansas a lot, uh, and so I'm more familiar with them than, uh, you know, than most people would be, I thought that Kansas could go out there and beat Colorado and potentially beat South Carolina. So, you know, all the talk of them being a number 12 seed, and, and it is a remarkable accomplishment, but they're a much better team than their seed would indicate, so I'm not completely surprised. But the fact that Nebraska went down to Texas A&M after A&M had just won the SEC tournament final and um, you know we're coming in on such a roll and we're playing at home and Nebraska got a six seed, which I didn't think they deserved that low of a seed, that, to me that was the, the remarkable win in that, uh, that region. And then Duke got all they could handle from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was up by 12 at the half. I thought the athleticism of Oklahoma State may bother Duke, but I think that's one of the cases where being on a home court worked in Duke's advantage for sure, uh, setting up this regional semifinal. Yeah, you're right on that. You know that uh, that uh, night. If I remember, if I'm thinking if I'm getting I've seen so many games, but that mm-hmm. night was an example where the the home court. You know, well, I guess it was the night. Yeah, night before the home court worked um, for LSU and the home court worked for Duke. It didn't work for A and M. You know, so so it's interesting if we go back to if we go back to top sixteen hosts, which I don't know that we will, but I mean, there's a possibility. A lot of people are like, oh, well, there'll never be any upsets. And I'm like, well, there are, you know, because mm-hmm. we've seen them before. And, you know, we saw some this year of, of higher-seeded teams hosting, and they couldn't, they still couldn't win. But I agree with you. For a while there, Brenda, it was actually, I'm looking at the Norfolk region, and I'm thinking, this is, there's a possibility this could be, um, you know, Notre Dame, they, they made it through, mm-hmm. you know, pretty, pretty, you know, pretty handily against Iowa, though I thought the Hawkeyes did did their best against mm-hmm. them on their home court. Yep. But I thought, what if it's going to be Notre Dame, Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma State? Yep. You know, it's going to be literally the old Big Eight. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, it didn't turn out that way, but I, I agree with you. I thought Oklahoma State um, maybe gave some other teams, I don't want to necessarily say a blueprint, but, mm-hmm. you know, certainly an idea of what you need to do if you're going to beat two. I'm I'm sure Connie Yori gave that a really good look. Exactly. You know how they how they played and and um, you know she doesn't have the same personnel as Oklahoma State, but at least says okay, you know this is what worked to disrupt them. And it, you know it's we talk about ACL injuries all the time and how devastating and how frustrating and sad they are. But think about what we would have had in that region had Chelsea Gray not been injured yeah. this year. You would have had four of the best point guards in the nation all in one region in Skylar Diggins and Angel Goodrich matching up in the Notre Dame Kansas game Lindsey Moore for Nebraska and then Chelsea Gray for Duke but Chelsea Gray not there and it's it's it 
it's made an impact for, I mean, absolutely it's made an impact for Duke, not having their point guard being able to run their offense, but they've still played at a high level. Um, I'm just interested to see what uh, Lindsey Moore and Jordan Hooper and crew, after the momentum and the confidence coming off the A&M win, what they are able to do against Duke. Elizabeth Williams going to her home area for Duke and how many, how many fans and supporters she'll have. And then Kansas, um, you know, the upset-minded Kansas playing Notre Dame. There's, there's some interesting individual matchups there as Monica Engelman for Kansas played the game of her life uh, in the win over South Carolina. And, you know, she as a matchup with Kayla McBride, who is such a tremendous, powerful playmaker. And then Achanwa inside against Carolyn Davis and Angel Goodrich. Uh, against Skylar Diggins, there are some compelling individual matchups. I think the overall team speed and the experience of Notre Dame prevails, but uh, there's some interesting things that are going to happen there. And, uh, again, looking forward to that region as well. Yeah, you know what's funny, Brenda? I think we have the same feelings about Kansas, which is that we see them all the time. We're so familiar with them. We're familiar with their quirks in a way that, you know, you can't be unless you see a team constantly. You know, you just know them so well. And I thought the same thing. I thought, I guess I'm supposed to say that I'm shocked that a 12 seed is in. But I know what they can do. Mm-hmm. And I thought that draw was just a really good draw for them. So, um, you know, I thought they can beat Colorado. And then once they beat Colorado, I was like, they can beat South Carolina. I, you know, I was telling people that. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, my when I was in Baylor, I was like, you know, Kansas can, can beat South Carolina. And they were like, yeah, you know, because all Baylor seeds of Kansas is, you know, they – they clobber them. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right, exactly. So, so um, you know, so that I, I was, I agree with you. I thought the same thing that if Kansas played well, uh, I'm not sure I expected Monica Engelman to play the game of her life, but kudos to her for doing it. I thought they could do it, and you know, here they are in two straight Sweet Sixteens. You know, that's that's quite uh, an accomplishment for them. It certainly is. Well, let's move on to the Bridgeport uh, region uh, as UConn uh, evidently setting uh, margin of victory <laughs> records uh, in their first and second rounds. Not, I, I don't know if they have or not, but it just it, it, trying to pile up the points, it seemed like uh, maybe they were trying to to uh, make a statement that way. And Maryland uh, winning over Michigan State, so Maryland will face UConn yet again. And uh, Delaware, a big story in the tournament, of course, Elena Deladon, uh, who has just been phenomenal. And uh, everybody around her is better this year as well. And they pull off the win over North Carolina. And Kentucky advances through. So your thoughts on the Bridgeport region? Well, you know, it was uh, wasn't it interesting um, during the uh you know, on, on Tuesday night, second round games, Brenda, that we had um, for all the all the fractious political uh, environment we have right now. We had a sitting vice president and a former president of two different parties, mm-hmm. both attending women's basketball games. So it was, uh, you know, sort of a, a political truce, I would say, that, that was brokered by women's basketball. So sort of a proud <laughs> night that way, I would say, with uh, George W. Bush at Baylor and then Joe Biden at Delaware. I thought the Delaware atmosphere, you could feel it through the television. Yes. It was just so emotional. It was, it, you know, and it was, it's a story, BV, that I just don't think um, that, that you're going to see that often. You know, great, yeah. great players usually go to big conference programs. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it works. 
the extenuating and very poignant uh, circumstances with Elena Deladon and her closeness to her, her disabled sister and her closeness to her family, it ended up being this this amazing, um, compelling narrative for women's basketball, and it and it was a, a great thing because she is truly a great player. She's as elite as you're going to get, I really think, at the at Division One, mm-hmm. playing at a CAA school and playing for a home state, you know, nearly hometown. She's from Wilmington, nearby. Everything's nearby in Delaware, you know. It's mm-hmm. little, right. so um, it, it was it was very sweet. Um, I'm sure Carolina didn't think so, but you know, Carolina's got the best recruits in the country coming in next year, so they can dry their tears pretty quick and, <laughs> and look for the next season. But it was really the moment for Delaware. You know, I mean, imagine if they lost that game, they're thinking we're never going to go past this way again, probably. Mm-hmm. And so they won. Now, you know, let's see what, what Delaware, um, you know, can do. They're, they, um, you know, I think Kentucky is a team that has shown vulnerability. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't end up winning the SEC regular season or conference. They are athletically better. There's no question, and they they are a, a really deep team. But there's no one player in that region that's better than Wayne Belladon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's the best player in that region, mm-hmm. and I, you know, so so let's see how they they do against Kentucky. And uh, in Kentucky, battling the stomach flu in the second round, Dia Math is having a, a tremendous game, even not feeling well. Uh, you know, facing that adversity and and moving on to the second round, and you never know how much a loss in your conference tournament spurs a team uh, as they go to the next level. You know, kind of reminding everybody the vulnerabilities and what they need to to shape up and and things of that nature. So. Uh, compelling stuff yep. and and you mentioned uh the Delaware story you know as you look at and it and it's typically this way in women's basketball but Delaware is the only non BCS conference school in the Sweet 16 SEC has 4 Big 12 has 3 teams the Big East has 3 ACC and Pac 12 have 2 and the Big 10 has 1 and then the CAA has uh is represented by a Delaware. So, uh, you know, kudos to them for breaking through and, and, and being that team in this, in this tournament, in this region. And, um, it, again, all these games this weekend, the games uh, in Bridgeport and Spokane starting on Saturday, Norfolk and Oklahoma City on Sunday. As we wrap this up today, Michelle, your, your parting thoughts as you look ahead to this weekend. Well, it, you know, it struck me. Some people probably say, well, what about Alyssa Thomas? And boy, she's a dang good player, too, for Maryland. She's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, she's going to be, you know, the, the ESPN has done the three to see. Boy, have they mentioned that a few times? Yes, they have. Um, this year, I, I would think if they do something like that, Alyssa Thomas is going to be right there. So she's the other, uh, you know, another really great player in that region. And you can only, you talked about the ACLs, Brenda, if only, um, mm-hmm. you know, Maryland had had the kids had lost to ACLs, first of all, you know, they'd, they'd probably not be a number four seed. They'd be even higher. But, boy, you'd like to see that UConn-Maryland matchup with, with both teams healthy. I just think it's going to be tough for Maryland. Uh, they've already played UConn and lost to them. But I have a feeling, uh, you know, Alyssa Thomas will put on another show. It just, I just think personnel-wise it, it, it's tough for them. Yeah. It'll be a great weekend. Enjoy yourself down in Oklahoma City. We'll all be watching and uh, look forward to seeing which teams emerge uh, in the to the Final Four in New Orleans. 
thanks for uh, listening to us, everyone. And uh, Michelle's birthday was yesterday, so happy birthday, Michelle. I know you always have it right in the middle of all this madness of March, but uh, uh, a shout-out and a happy birthday wishes to you. And thanks for everybody listening, and we'll be back sometime around the Final Four, either before or after, and uh, talk more Women's Sports Central. This is Brenda Van Lingen on behalf of Michelle Vopel. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>